Friends, good morning and welcome to this podcast with Houston and Clellan Kirk on this Good Friday. Good Friday, the darkest of days in the Christian calendar. Let's listen to the account of Jesus' death. It's found in John chapter 19. Let's listen for God's word. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look! I am bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid, and he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? he asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realise I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat him down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to be crucified. Later, knowing that everything had been now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now it was a day of preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have his legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man 
who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth. He testifies that you also may believe. These things happen so that scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Amen. May God bless to us this reading from his word. To his name be praise and glory. As I reflect on what has been an emotional week as we journeyed through Holy Week, although we couldn't be together in the one place, we were together in spirit. And I ask this question, did Jesus have to die? Did Jesus have to die? And I keep coming back to no, he didn't. He was killed. The American theologian Rob Bell explains it very well. He asked, did you eat a meal today? You probably did, and what did your meal consist of? He, he says he guesses at one, maybe a plant, and maybe something that was once an animal. In other words, something that was alive, but in order for you to eat it, it had to die. The fruit of the vegetable would be harvested or pulled from the soil or picked from a tree and the animal would be butchered. That's how it works. Your life is dependent upon something else's death. The same happens in the seasons. In winter things die, in the spring they come back to life. In the body our cells, there are many trillions of cells in our body and they're constantly dying and producing new ones to replace them. Death is the engine of life all around us, all the time. The death and life rhythm built on the fabric of creation. So when we read and hear the story in the Bible that tells of death and that death is somehow the engine for new life in the world, it's not a new truth. It's how the world has worked since the very beginning. That's how the Bible works. The writers of the Bible bring us a witness of how things are. That's why the stories and images and metaphors and ideas still resonate with people across the centuries and to today. Life is mysterious. Suffering does make you feel that your heart has caved in. Humans are capable of astonishingly good and bad acts. People do reflect the image of the divine. Some traditions emphasise the importance of the Bible, the inerrancy of the Bible. But it works the other way round. It's in the Bible because the writers were witnesses to truths larger than any book or tribe or religion. 
So why did Jesus die? He was killed. Betrayed, executed, hung on a cross, Jesus was killed. That's the story we have in the Gospel. You have to start with the actual story, not with all the theories and systems and doctrines that have been created. We have to set aside our assumptions about why certain things had to happen or not. We have to let it unfold like the actual story unfolds. In that story we're told that Jesus came and taught and called disciples and healed and preached and comforted and confronted the injustice and indifference of the religious and economic and military and political machine of his day. It was a violent, unstable, volatile time and threats to security of the empire were dealt with swiftly and severely. Jesus was killed. That's how the story goes. And then according to the Gospels, he appeared later to his disciples. He told them to make students, immersing those disciples in the Trinitarian love of God. And then he was gone. His followers struggling to make sense of what had happened. And that's how life is. We experience things, we interpret them, we try and explain them, we look for meaning in them. We need to understand the Bible was written by real place people in real places at real times. People who understood things in light of their culture and time and place. People who interpreted the events and experiences in light of that. That's what the Bible is. It wasn't written by some third party in the sky who told everyone what the plan was. It's written by real people in real places at real times doing their best to make sense of it all. And that's where a lot of us are in this time of the pandemic, trying to make sense of things. But why did God do it that way or this the way? We'll never give satisfying answers. It's the wrong question, which always results in the wrong assumptions and answers. And so the first Christians interpreted Jesus' life and death through a sacrificial system. They believed they had to give offerings up at the temple to satisfy God. God didn't set up sacrificial systems. People did. The system evolved as humans developed rituals to help deal with their guilt and fear. God didn't need the blood of sacrifice. People did. That's why in the book of Hebrews we hear that God doesn't need the blood of animals. God never did. People did. God doesn't need to kill someone to be happy with humanity. What kind of God would need that? An awful God. A God who I could not worship. And so in the light of that experience of the people, we can understand why they would consider Jesus to be the ultimate and complete sacrifice. But Jesus was killed. And then his followers who had encounters with him reflected on what was said before he died on the cross. They thought about their own history. They saw in his innocence a picture of a sacrificial lamb. 
is shown his willingness to die rather than resort to violence a new way to be in the world. They viewed his death as the end of the entire blood system of bloodshed. And they saw his resurrection as a vindication that this really was a new way and a better way to be in the world. We're still finding meaning and significance in Jesus' life, death and resurrection. That's why the Bible is referred to as a living and active word. We're still wrestling. We're still questioning. We're still inspired. And we're still moved. Friends, may the Lord be with you as we close this long and emotional week. May we reflect on what we have shared, what we have learned and what we want to take with us as we prepare to celebrate our risen Lord. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. 